Welcome to the Hawks Report, the podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Lauren Williams, the Hawks Repeat reporter here at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and I am here in very hot Las Vegas for Summer League. Of course, that's not the only thing that's happened this past week. We've seen some moves happening. The DeJounte Murray extension, four years, $120 million. We also saw the Hawks flip the trades that they've made this offseason so far to bring in a veteran point guard and add a little bit of depth to the point guard room. So, of course, Daniel and I are here to talk about everything that has happened since we talked to you guys last week. And we'll get into it. But if you guys are listening to us for the first time, thanks for joining us. But please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. This is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution is taking Georgia political coverage to the next level. Now, Georgia's smartest political team is adding Hall of Fame political broadcaster Bill Nygut. I am beyond thrilled to be joining the remarkable political team at the AJC. And with the year that we have unfolding in politics, it's going to be an exciting ride. Read Bill Nygut's expert insight on AJC.com and listen to the Politically Georgia podcast with me, Greg Bluestein, And me, Patricia Murphy. And me, Tia Mitchell. Hear new episodes every weekday. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the AJC. So... Like I said, a lot has happened this week. And I mean, Daniel, I don't even know where to start, but I feel like the DeJounte Murray extension is probably a good point to pick up from. You know, the Hawks this week extended him on Thursday, just as I got into uh, or just as I was about to head out to Las Vegas. And he has been signed to a four-year, $120 million contract. You know, he left a little bit of money on the table because he really wants to stay here in Atlanta. And I think some people were a little bit surprised about whether or not DeJounte would want to come back to the Hawks. But I think him and the Hawks reaching a deal as quickly as they have, especially since they've moved on from John Collins, they've locked into their guy, someone they gave up three first round picks for. That says a lot about how much they value him and how much they want him in the fold and how much they really want that backcourt tandem of Trey Young and DeJounte Murray to work. And of course, we saw a few glimpses of it in the postseason in that series against the Celtics. But I think the expectations are going to be much higher now that they're going to find that chemistry and they're going to hit the ground running to make sure that works. But Daniel, what about what about you? Did you feel any surprise or was there anything that stuck out to you about that extension? I was a little surprised it came when it did. I was glad that it did happen. You mentioned I think they got a little bit of a discount based on them locking him in right now with four years, 120. I think the way the new CBA is, I think $30 million a year is actually a pretty good deal for DeJounte Murray because it could be a lot more if they extended him during the season this year or, or next year or there's a chance that they didn't and you have to figure out a way to maybe trade him or you don't get anything for him after, you, like you mentioned, they gave up three first round picks for him last offseason. So I think everyone's waiting for, you know, Quinn Snyder to kind of unlock him and, and Trey Young as a backcourt duo. We saw, as you mentioned, glimpses of it, but I don't think we've seen the full potential of what those two can do. And again, if you're trying to build something towards getting this team closer to a championship, having a backcourt locked up is certainly the first step in doing that. When you have an all-star in Trey Young and a, a guy capable of being one, John T. Murray, who did make one all-star team as well, then you, you, you do have, you know, you do have your kind of core 
at least in the backcourt, set in there. And so, you know, he was tweeting about loyalty and everyone was trying to figure out what that was and if that meant they weren't going to resign him or something was going down. Um, But the fact that they did lock him in, I think this bodes well for the team. And I'm excited to have him back. Uh, Again, I really enjoyed him and Trey playing together and with Quinn in a full training camp and a full season. I'm excited to see where those two can go and and how far the Hawks can go. Absolutely. I think a full, healthy offseason it's going to be a huge key for this Hawks team in building chemistry right away. I think that was the knock against or or the thing that they pointed to as one of the issues that they had last season early on is that they lacked chemistry because so many new guys were brought in. But for the most part, the Hawks have kind of doubled down on that core minus John Collins uh, heading into next season. And so Right now, chemistry, from at least from where I'm looking, chemistry, if things go off the rails, isn't what is the issue. There is something else that, you know, might be underlying there. But yeah, I think the expectations are high. It's clear that the Hawks truly believe in the backcourt of them. And I think time will tell what they're able to do in training camp and in the preseason and, you know, heading into the season if if that pairing can work. So I still, I still think that, you know, there are going to be a lot of decisions that need to be made, especially if it doesn't work. You know, I I don't want to put a timeline on it, but maybe by December, if things aren't going well, you've now had two full months of the season under your belt at that point. So things should at the very minimum start to click if they hadn't already. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why you brought in Quinn Snyder and you brought him in when you did because of what he's capable of doing. And look, I don't think Quinn, and I think I've discussed this before and we have, Quinn Snyder doesn't take this job for rebuilding. Quinn Snyder does not take this job if he doesn't think that there are pieces there for them to get to the next level and he wants to be able to to do that. So with the fact that they do lock up DeJounte Murray, with what we've seen in the offseason, yeah, they haven't done too much, but I think these trades are keeping their options open for a little bit of flexibility when it comes to what money they can use to acquire more players. They still have the $23 million trade exception from the John Collins trade that they don't technically have to use right now, and I'm sure we'll get into this in a little bit, Lauren, but I feel like, again, with, with Quinn Snyder, I guess I'm going to say this is year one. I know last year was year one, but I'm going to consider this year one based on he will have his a full training camp and a full roster ready to go for him that, you know, they're, I don't think they're done yet. I think there's still some tweaking to do, and I think they're going to do whatever they can do, get a core group together. We've seen it with teams that have won it in the last few years between Denver with their draft picks that they were able to build and establish into a championship. You saw what Milwaukee did with just adding a few key pieces like with Drew Holiday and getting them over the hump, Toronto doing it four or five years ago with that group. I'm sure Landry Fields kind of wants to emulate what those teams did. It's not going to happen right now overnight where they're going to be championship contenders right away. But these are the moves that get you closer and closer, locking up your backcourt for multiple years. You don't have to worry about next summer. God, you know, are we going to keep DeJounte? What are we going to do? So the fact that he's in four years committed alongside Trey Young, I think this is a, a great step in the right direction. And his contract is pretty friendly that if you know, they decide that they want to, you know, double down, continue to double down on Trey Young. And, you know, it's DeJounte that needs to be on the move for whatever reason. It's not working. You know, maybe they see more value in DeJounte being moved and they can bring, you know, somebody else in that they think can move the needle. His contract is pretty friendly. If you think about it, you mentioned earlier the CBA. We know that over the next, you know, three, four years, the cap is going to continue to rise and that $30 million is going to, it's not going to be as detrimental as say, you know, some of the other contracts that we've seen in the past. So especially now with that second tier apron, I think it makes it a little bit easier for some of these teams to potentially bring aboard talent like DeJounte if they need to, you know, utilize his skills to maybe make them into a championship team because he's not the piece that the Hawks need right now, but he's a piece that other teams might need. I mean, look at the contracts of Tyrese Halliburton and the extension of Anthony Edwards. I mean, those contracts are well over $200 million. Yeah. Um, So if those over five years. Yeah. Over five years. And if those don't 
work out the way you want to. I mean, that's a lot of money to be on the hook for. So yeah. and I'm not trying to compare DeJounte Murray to Halliburton or Edwards as far as mm-hmm. what they are worth. But when you're looking at contracts, you talk about how friendly the it is. Grand your, scheme. Grand yeah. scheme. You're exactly right. 120 million for for four years compared to what Halliburton and Edwards are getting is significant. And mm-hmm. it's not like the drop off is significant from Halliburton or Edwards to Jonte Murray. Murray is a, is a solid player. So mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think Landry Fields in that front office did a great job of of getting Murray when they did. Yeah, and I, again, I do think them. Putting in the effort to extend him now show much shows how much they value him and how much you know they want to keep him as as much as possible. He's an asset to this team, and you know he and Trey are already excited to get the season going. And we saw them at summer league sitting together; they looked very close. And you know, again, they're building that chemistry off the court that you want to see translate onto the court. So, you know, it's it's exciting to see, and I think we're all excited to to see how they progress but speaking of progression we're here at summer league you know we're 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 recording this on a sunday so a couple days after that first summer league game and then mere hours before their second summer league game a lot has happened that's why we we chose to kind of record a little bit before the game as opposed to waiting to see how this team moves forward between games one and, and games two, particularly Kobe Bufkin. He kind of had a little bit of a a rough showing in that first game. And particularly because the Hawks asked a lot of him after the game, summer league head coach Antonio Lang talked about how they kind of made him the point guard. And that's something that he's not necessarily used to. And for a lot of young guards, asking them to run a team's offense is a lot. <laughs> and I think sometimes when you talk to Kobe Bufkin, it's hard to remember that he's only 19 years old. But yeah, he took that game very personally. It was really interesting after the game, we get a chance to talk to players just like, you know, at the end of regular season games. And he had this kind of like, days about him where you could tell that he was absolutely angry about how he played on Friday night. And (laughs) I think the perfect encapsulation of it is, you know, the Hawks media relations team, they brought both Kobe Bufkin and AJ Griffin down because those were the, you know, two of the three guys that we'd requested along with Muhammad Gay. But those were the two that showed up first and Hawks media relations was like, do you guys want to talk to them, you know, one at a time or together? Like, you know, what are you guys thinking? And we were already going to volunteer to just talk to them at the same time. But before we could even say anything, Kobe Bufkin goes at the same time. (laughs) He was just like, I've got, I've got film to watch. I've got ways to improve. I don't got time for this. (laughs) And And in his answers, he talked a lot about how, you know, he, he took upon himself the blame of some of those turnovers, um, the decision-making, the pace of the game. And that's just some of the stuff that you want to hear from your guard and, and how they improve. So I think the big thing to keep an eye on in Summer League is that these performances aren't necessarily an indictment of their talent because a lot of these players haven't played in five-on-five in games in months I believe Buffkin hasn't played five on five since maybe the combine in May. And we're now in July. So that's like three months off of live play. And even though you do five on five in practice, nothing truly emulates the pace and the flow of a real game. So I think now that he kind of has the rust knocked off a little bit from that first game, I think the thing to keep an eye on is how much he's able to take what he learned from that first game and apply it to the second game. And on Sunday, they played the Nuggets. So reigning league champs, but not reigning summer league champs. So it'll it'll be interesting to see and maybe, you know, come up with an idea of just how, how intense Kobe is at improving every single day. 
you gotta love the attitude. And I think that's the first thing you take away from everything I just heard from your interactions with him after game number one, because it's not easy after, you know, you're a star at uh, your school and you come into your first summer league game, and you go 0 for 8 and you have eight turnovers mm-hmm. and eight points. And, and you're like, oh, my God, what am I doing? But it is summer mm-hmm. league. And Victor Wimbenyama, I mean, he had a rough first game, too. And again, yeah. not comparing the two, but he even said, I don't even know what I was doing out there. And so yeah. it's not easy. Not everyone comes out shining in their first summer league game. And also, I think expectations are low. Even if you had a really good mm-hmm. summer league game, like I was impressed with some of the stuff Muhammad Gay did. But I'm not going to yeah. take too much from it and go, OK, he's ready to go put him in the rotation. You know, you just have to kind of pick and choose what you're looking for in summer league mm-hmm. and what you can take away. And for me, the attitude of Kobe Bufkin's what I'm taking away just based on what you're saying as far as how personally he took it, how he wants to get better, how he's just ready to go for number two. And I mean, that's the whole point of the league, too. You're getting thrown into yeah. the fire a little bit. This is a perfect opportunity when you have five games just to kind of see and, and test what you can do. No one expected yeah. too much when you're having him play point guard in a summer league game after, you know, learning the system in a span of a week or two. You know, they don't have too many practices and stuff leading up to, um, they have a training camp at home and then a couple practices obviously before these games, but I'm not really concerned about how he played. Neither the the numbers that AJ Griffin put up and Mm -hmm. not concerned that they lost their first summer league game, 80 to 76. Mm -hmm. It's just more of you're taking little things from each player and hoping that they learn from what they're able to do. The fact that they're just Mm -hmm. getting reps is, is, you know, the most important thing. And and you, you really want to see what they do in preseason and after training camp and what they've learned from that. So, yeah. again, I always take things with a grain of salt when it comes to summer league. And based on what I've watched so far in a lot of summer league games, there's not a lot of good basketball being played, Lauren. <laughs> yeah, at all. I think we were all... So I was sitting with two other beat reporters from the Hawks and we were just kind of like this is this is some summer league form because Brad Rowland who's out here in Vegas with us pointed out that that Houston Rockets spur no it wasn't Spurs Houston Rockets trailblazers game because it was Scoot Henderson how that one got up to triple digits after that Jabari Smith three-pointer at the buzzer and then you come over to Cox Pavilion where it's the Hawks versus the Kings and it's, you know, like under 50 at the half or something like that, or maybe just over 50 at the half. So we were just like, it's just like night and day in terms of like the quality of basketball that's being played. Because if you think about it, you know, AJ Griffin didn't play in summer league last year. And, you know, you look at Jabari Smith Jr. who did, and like just how much of a how many steps he's just taken forward as far as his development and AJ's just kind of on a different trajectory. So it's just like you can't really compare what happens between, you know, different teams, different because guys are just on different timelines. So, yeah, I just again, I have to reiterate the biggest thing that you should take away from Summer League is just seeing how guys improve from game one to game two, game three, game four, and and so on. And then what they're able to take from what they've done at Summer League into training camp and forward. Obviously, Kobe Bufkin will be a little bit, and, and Muhammad Gay, Seth Lundy, um, Miles Norris, those guys we won't see a ton of just because they're young and toward the end of the rotation. But again, it's just keeping an eye on just how they learn and apply what they've learned to each successive game. A lot of it, too, is for the front office to evaluate who else they can invite to training camp, who else they can bring to their G League. I'm like, there's there's motives for the front office, too, to kind of see what they have in some of these other guys that they know they might not see or Mm -hmm. whether or not they should keep, you know, because some of these some of these guys make rosters based on on what they do in summer league or can get um, they're auditioning for other teams because like the Hawks don't hold the rights for some of these guys. Uh, They can sign with someone else as soon as summer league is done. If if there's um, an impression if being there's made. nothing on the table. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So there's just it. Like you mentioned, it's just you want to see the development. But at the end of the day, when we start in October, I don't think anyone's going to go back and go, well, did you see Kobe Bufkin in his first summer league game? There's no yeah. way he's ready to go. It's just one of those exactly. things that you, you see it right now in the moment and you say, OK, you know, he did OK or wow, you did see some progression. And then you mm-hmm. wait till October and see what he has. Exactly. But I do think the thing that's made a splash with a lot of people 
is Brady Manic going five for 10 from three like that? That guy was hotter than fish grease in the second half. And at one point he hit like three straight threes. And that's what kind of brought the Hawks back into the game. And I think the other thing that's interesting to watch about Summer League is not only the players, but the coaches as well. Because one, you know, some of these coaches could be in line for head coaching positions one day. You know, Antonio Lang, and I really appreciate AJ Griffin's kind of like candidness about this, but when I asked about, you know, Brady Manic, you know, going five for 10, AJ was like, I got flashbacks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he sounded like a war-torn veteran a little bit. He was like, I got flashbacks. But then he also mentioned that Tony Lang was drawing up plays for Manic because he was knocking those shots down. So those are some of the stuff that you like to see, those adjustments that coaches make and like that they're not necessarily rigid to a specific game plan. So... Yeah, and I will also say Tony Lang is one of the most pleasant people to be around. And fun fact, he has no social media at all. Has never created any kind of social any kind of social media account of any kind. In fact, like one fun fact he told us is like when the song "Slide Into the DMs" or something came out, he had to ask his kids what DMs were. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome because he had no idea. But I digress. Yeah, I just, it was really exciting to see a guy like Manic out there shooting the ball. He's been overseas since last season. And, you know, he, I mean, he has his limitations. That's one of the reasons why, you know, he wasn't picked up after Summer League last year and went overseas. But he's a fun player to watch. And sometimes that's just what Summer League is about, is just seeing some of those fun players that you've kind of fell in love with. In co- like when they were playing in college and like just seeing how they're, you know, s- they still got it in some ways, but the NBA is tough. I agree. I mean, that's uh, the beauty of Summer uh, League. It, it, it is just fun to see some of these guys like, hey, I remember him or he did so well mm-hmm. in college. How come no one really grabbed him or how come he never got drafted and things like that? And mm-hmm. you root for those guys and just because you saw them so much in college. So it's it's been fun to watch and just seeing the different teams and some of the different stars and how they looked. I know watching Spurs Hornets was was fun just because of the buildup of the the top two picks. Yeah. You know, it was a little disappointing based on on how Victor played, but wasn't really surprised. Um yeah. just because it was I mean, there's a lot of attention on that young man. Yeah. And hasn't even stepped foot on an NBA court until then. So it was it's been a lot of fun and I'm excited to see what the Hawks do and what other teams do. But yeah, I mean Summer League's just kind of a it's the most relaxing league, you would think, mm-hmm. um, just based on how everyone's just everyone's there mingling. It's a lot of networking from coaches mm-hmm. and players, as you mentioned. And you'll see a lot of guys that play on one summer league team and then sign with another team come mm-hmm. training camp. So it'll, it'll be a lot of fun exactly. to see the rest of how this plays out. Yeah. And we'll be talking a little bit more about, you know, what the Hawks can potentially do as some league continues to progress and what direction they maybe take this roster in and then also we got to talk about the in-season tournament that the NBA is going to launch next season but we're going to take a quick break before we do that this is the Hawks report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution hip-hop is a product of black people it's a product of black song and celebration the Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. I'm Ernie Suggs. And I'm Ned Ravone. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. 
I wanted to thank everyone who has subscribed to the AJC and subscribes to the AJC as well as AJC.com. It's what makes all of this possible. The AJC does have a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you get three months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, politics, breaking news, investigations, food and dining, and so much more on AJC.com. Plus, there's access to our e-paper and our assortment of newsletters. You can join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. So you always know what's really going on. So, Daniel, I think one of the biggest questions that's kind of come out with the trade of John Collins to the Utah Jazz in exchange for Rudy Gay, the trading out the rights to the draft rights to Alpha Kaba to the to the Rockets and bringing in Ty Ty Washington and Usman Garuba as well as a couple of second round picks and cash and just seeing how the Hawks have packaged those two deals that they made earlier in the offseason and flipped them into another deal that brings aboard a veteran point guard in Patty Mills and you know I think it's still kind of up in the air about what the Hawks plan to do with Mills, but whichever direction they go, if they can flip Mills into, you know, an even better package or better bring back, or if they keep him aboard, I still think they kind of win in this situation because you're adding depth to the depth chart. And if you have to send him out because there's just something better on the table, you're bringing in something better on the table. So, If I'm the Hawks, though, it would be kind of interesting if they keep him because they're getting a veteran in him who has a lot of experience under his belt, who they can inject into the lineup right away, because I think he still has it in him. Even if he may not necessarily play a ton of minutes, he can still shoot that thing. And they need spacing. They need shooting. He's a guy that can mentor guys like Kobe Bufkin could potentially mentor Trey, but I mean, I know Trey has a lot of experience under his belt as well, but you always need that veteran in the locker room and he's got plenty of years of experience under his belt. So I think it's, I think it's a win-win. Correct me if I'm wrong, but did he play with DeJounte in San Antonio? Did they cross paths? They had to have. Yeah. They had to have. Because Patty Mills has certainly been on a lot of teams recently, but it seems like I know obviously he was part of that Spurs the Spurs squad, so I feel like those two have crossed paths a little bit, which could be one of the you know the motives for why Landry decided to make this move. But I completely agree with you that it is a win-win situation because if you do keep Patty Mills, he is a great mentor and a great backup guard that gives you some options shooting-wise when one of those two gets taken out, either Trey or DeJounte, or like you mentioned, if for some reason that they found another deal, then you are still upgrading your roster without really giving up a lot of players. We figured Rudy Gay wasn't going to be part of this team, and he's not uh-huh. going to Oklahoma City. He might not even be a part of their team. I think they'll be... OKC right. has a lot of roster decisions to make as they continue to mm-hmm. pile draft assets and then also you know, pile up players because they have like 21 or 22 guys now on, on yeah. the roster. But, you know, there's still two players out there with Damian Lillard and James Harden that no one can figure out what's going to happen with those two. And there are a lot of rumblings, at least on Twitter, about, you know, teams having to step in and help make these moves possible for whether it's Damian yeah. Lillard going to Miami or James Harden going somewhere else, that they it might take a three or a four team trade to make these deals work. So if you know, Patty Mills being brought on is one to just have some money or another player to be used in another trade situation, mm-hmm. then great. They also saved around four and a half million dollars, as yep. as you yep. mentioned uh, on Twitter, that is another money saver and the fact that you get a quality backup. So mm-hmm. I completely agree. I think this was the, the right move to make. And um, Patty Mills has changed uniforms, I think, three times here in the last few days, yeah. even though he hasn't played a game and he might not be done yet. Yeah, and I think, the thing too is that you're bringing in a championship winning point guard in Patty Mills and 
you are correct. They definitely, he and DeJounte Murray definitely overlapped in San Antonio. DeJounte was drafted, you know, 2016, and Patty Mills had been on that Spurs squad since 2011, 2012. So they definitely overlapped for about three seasons before he headed over to Brooklyn. Okay, that's what I thought. My brain has been mushed today, so I was just wanting to double-check before I said anything. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think if you're bringing aboard somebody who has not only playoff experience, but championship experience, I just, you know, I, I, I think you're a winner there. And especially because he played all 23 games in that postseason, averaging about 15.3 minutes in the playoffs, which is a is a pretty good amount of minutes, averaging about 7.3 points per game and 1.4 assists. He shot 40.5% from three that year. So we know that he can play in crunch time. Still played some significant minutes with Brooklyn in the playoffs two seasons ago. Shot 53%. Excuse me, you know, more like 54%, because when you round up that like last percentage point, he was shooting 54% on three attempts per game in, in the playoffs. So I like it. I dig it. And so we'll see what the Hawks continue to do, because with that trade in sending out three players and bringing aboard one, that does open up two roster spots for them. You can take, what, 21 into training camp? 20 or 21 into training camp, and they have some of those non-guaranteed guys. Um, They do need to make a decision on Bruno Fernando by Monday because that was the date that they chose to extend his guaranteed deadline to. So with Garuba going out, that does kind of change what they decide to do with him, maybe, and whether they bring them bring him back because they do need depth at the five. And it I don't know if they're trying to work out another trade. Maybe they're not done. And time will tell. That's that's kind of what I can't figure out is what they're doing in the front court a little bit. But they I do think they still need, you know, maybe one more guard <laughs> because, you know, they're as Brad Rowland absolutely pointed out on Friday when we were watching that Hawks King Summer League game, is they're unfortunately one injury away from Kobe Bufkin needing to play significant minutes. Yeah, I agree. It, it is kind of hard to figure out what what they still have left to do because you've seen them be, I guess, sort of active, but not really in mm-hmm. a sense that the roster is been changed a lot since last year besides John Collins going to mm-hmm. Utah. So I don't think he's done. I think there's some teams that are still not done. Again, we talked yeah. about the two players that need to be traded, but there are some teams with still some question marks, and I feel like trades are really the only chance now for these teams to either get better or move a contract or prepare yeah. for something else. And so I think, you know, while these general managers and front office execs are in Las Vegas, this is the perfect time for things to get done. And maybe there, exactly. there will be by the time summer league ends, it's a long 11, 12 days yeah. for those that are there. And so, I, I mean, you never know what can get done here in the next week. Maybe by our next show, there'll be another move to discuss. Sure. But yeah, I, I don't think Landry's done. I'm not saying that he's going to make an over-the-top move that's going to really right. change the dynamic of this team. But I think right. there's holes that still need to be filled. And I think this trade gives him a little bit more flexibility to do something else. And I think the Hawks, like a lot of the rest of the teams in the NBA, are just kind of watching to see what both the Trailblazers do with Dame, Damian Lillard and whether he heads to Miami. I think there's going to be a lot of fallout from that. And then what happens with James Harden? And I think Philly's kind of waiting to see what Miami and Portland or excuse me, what Portland does, because that might change the market for them. Because remember, Portland isn't beholden to a no trade clause with Damian Lillard. They can literally send him anywhere. <laughs> and if that works for the for the Trailblazers, they're going to do it. So, yeah, I think, you know, there's there's still so much waiting and seeing left at this point. But I think one thing that fans don't have to wait and see is what this in-season tournament is supposed to look like. At least the NBA kind of released what the skeleton of it is supposed to be, how it's supposed to operate. You have group play, 
which takes place via still some regular season games. The Hawks are in a, a, a group with the 76ers, the Cavaliers, the Pacers, and the Pistons. And there are just a bunch of groups all throughout the East and the West. My rudimentary understanding of it is that just like the regular season, you play the games against those opponents like usual. They'll be played on designated nights, though, that the league determines as tournament nights. Uh, And I believe they were Tuesdays and Fridays. Yes. And so all of those games will be nationally televised. And then two of those games will be played at the regular arena or State Farm Arena. Two of those games will be played on the road. Right? Yes. Or is it like two at home, two two away? Um, yeah, again, my rudimentary, uh, understanding of it. No, you're right. Then, two at home, two on the road. And then if yeah. you are, if you win the pool or you could finish in second and still have a good enough record to make it, then yeah. you'll head on to the, the knockout s- stage, the knockout stage, which is the quarterfinals, which are still in a, it's not a neutral setting. And then the semis yeah. and the finals are in Vegas. Exactly. And so the quarterfinals and I believe the semifinals are still a part of the regular season standings. Correct. But the championship is not. So I actually had a reader email me because I was also trying to figure this out as well with how how will the league kind of determine the rest of the schedule for the teams who don't make it into the knockout stage? Because that's where it gets a little bit dicey and complicated in my opinion because you have eight teams that are in the knockout stages, another 22 that aren't. So they're going to have to filter those 22 teams to fill out the rest of their 82-game schedule. Yeah, and there's going to be some unevenness because I think there are teams that are going to play an extra game. And like you mentioned, I did not know that the championship game does not count towards your regular season record. So Mm-mm. I thought maybe that would be game number 83 for some teams. But if that's not, mm-hmm. then... You're right. If that quarterfinal and semifinals are going to get some teams, some extra games over the ones that don't make it into the knockout round. So I wonder how yeah. those are going to be made up. But that's the thing about this tournament. As as much as I get, you know, what Adam Silver is trying to do. And I think the incentive for this is the fact that everyone says the regular season doesn't matter or it doesn't really yeah. matter until after Christmas when football is done. And that's when people really yeah. pay attention to the NBA. And they're trying to develop this kind of soccer schedule like, where there's mm-hmm. pool play, kind of like a World Cup where you play your teams yeah. in your region or not region, but your group. And then the, mm-hmm. the ones that make it out of it, I get it. But for the fans, it just doesn't seem like there's really an incentive for them to really get into it just yeah. yet because the incentive is the players that will get more money Win. yeah mm-hmm. the farther they go i believe it's either a hundred thousand dollars for each player if they win it right and 50 if you lose players on the winning team of chan- of the championship get five hundred thousand dollars each Ooh. players on the losing team of the championship get two hundred thousand dollars each players on the losing team of semifinals gets a hundred grand each okay. and then players on the losing team of a quarterfinals gets 50k each so there's a lot of money. <laughs> there's a lot of money being involved, but it's not, again, for the fans' standpoint, it's yeah. not like, yeah, you can, will there be bragging rights? Is it really something that you're going to, yeah. as a fan base, be like, hey, we won this in-season NBA, tournament. Yeah. Like, is there going to be a banner raise? Is there, you know, congratulations? Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't, and again, with any new thing, there's going to be some hiccups or there's going to be a little bit of, yeah, questions, hesitation. Is it what's happening? I get mm-hmm. what Adam Silver's doing and we'll, we'll see if, you know what the fans react to i mean again the fact that it's part of the regular season it might be cool because it, it yeah. kind of sounds like these games count double even though they don't you know counts towards the regular season standings but also towards your group play so maybe there will be a little bit more edge to them or maybe yeah. not but only time will tell but it is something different and i guess you really can't blame Adam Silver for trying to create some new some yeah, new uh, talking points for a regular season mm-hmm. matchup i think though in our discussing it and like kind of brainstorming what the incentive for fans it, fans are is is that they're getting to see their team on national television because those tournament nights those are always going to be nationally televised so you know potentially for maybe international fans 
they maybe get to see the team on ESPN a little bit more or TNT a little bit more if they have access to those channels. So it's a good point. I, I I think that's kind of what the incentive is. But I was wondering if eventually maybe the the goal is to, you know, have that in season tournament kind of determine like playoff berth. You mm-hmm. know, like maybe if you you win the the tournament, you get like a bye week or something, or you you automatically get bounced out of the plane, or or maybe you automatically at minimum get the plane. I don't know. I don't know. It's a good point. It would be it could cause a lot of ruckus if a team. Yeah. I'm just again, there's just no slight at anyone. Let's say the Orlando Magic did that this year and won, but we're not a playoff mm-hmm. team. Are you automatically putting them in the play in when? Their records like twenty five and fifty something, but they won I mean... the in tournament. <laughs> no, I get, I completely get what you're saying, and I and I think down the road there might be some playoff implications. You're right. Yeah, I mean that's where it kind of gets bonkers because then you you change the landscape of the playoffs and like you you never know who might end up in there. Like for example, what if like the Hawks are a, a team that went forty one and forty one last year. And like, say they have the in-season tournament and it's another 41 and 41 season, but then you have a team like, let's bring up the Magic again. And they ended the season maybe, like you said, 20 and something, but they won the the in-season tournament. Okay, well, maybe it sucks that the Hawks finished 41 and 41, but they should have finished better than that and or win the in-season tournament. And then they don't have to worry about, I don't know. It's just brainstorming here. I, I, I This is why I'm not in the league office planning this stuff out. <laughs> No, a couple things to your point. It's kind of like in college, March Madness, the conference tournament. Yeah. You could be a 12 seed, and if you yep. win your conference tournament, you're locked into March Madness, and mm-hmm. you're going to steal a berth from a team that definitely deserves it more Maybe. than you do, but because you won your conference tournament, you get in. So I can definitely see yeah. something like that in the long term. Maybe it's like the Premier League, and you get relegated if you finish last, and someone else right. is going <laughs> to jump into the league. I'm just, I know that will never happen, but no. there, there can be some ways that this gets creative after they get a, a sample size of how this goes. I think this is a good learning, uh, a good tool. way, yeah, good learning tool yeah. to, to figure out what works and what doesn't. You'll get feedback from mm-hmm. front offices, fans, fans. players, mm-hmm. and um, go from there. But I, I don't see yeah. the harm in it because it's not really changing things. It's just adding a little bit more incentives to the, the uh, players, regular season. Yeah, yeah. and um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But we are going to answer a couple of questions. I know Daniel, Daniel and I have been talking your ear off, but we did put the call out for questions. You guys listen, tweeted, and we have a lot of them. Um, so we're excited to get to them. Let's get to the mailbag. That music means it is time. And again, you can follow Lauren on Twitter at Williams Lauren L. Um, a lot of questions this week. So appreciate everyone that took the time. We'll try to get to everyone. We're going to combine some based on some of the topics and some of you who tweeted more than once, which is okay, like DJ Yogi. So Lauren, do you think with the roster moves, they have addressed the point of attack defensively or effort and strategize or effort and strategy will just have to be the solution? He also tweets... Was it Jalen's choice to not play in summer league or he wasn't allowed to play under league rules or what's behind Jalen not being there? He also says he's got a lot of on his mind, which he does. They seem to be short a wing or a two guard that can attack the paint. Do you see it that way? But I do like that they found some stretch big. So as much as you can answer from those three things, that's what DJ Yogi has on the docket today. Yeah, I guess the first question about the point of attack defense, I it's really hard to tell just because they didn't really do that many signings. They haven't really signed anyone via free agency. So it's it's tough to answer whether or not they addressed point of attack. I think Patty Mills is a really is a pretty good defender. And again, he's a veteran, so he he knows how to play defense intelligently and he he can be kind of a, a stopper if you need him to, but you know, he's not exactly like a steals magnet. But if he can get into guys, he can be pesky. He can make life difficult for them. So I I think that is a good first step. But I don't think overall or overarching they got better in terms of point of attack defense. As far as Jalen Johnson, I do believe that the Hawks had no plans for him to play summer league. He 
it's it's difficult to often see third year players playing at summer league. It's 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 very rare. It happens, but it, it's often rare. And so I think they had a lot of other guys that were on the roster that they wanted to evaluate in guys like V. Krejci and Tyrese Martin, as well as the other guys that they brought in via the draft and then players that they signed to exhibit tens and two ways and everything like that. So it just didn't, there just wasn't really any space for Jalen to even be on a summer league roster to begin with. But frankly, he doesn't really need it. He he took the right step last offseason. He's taking the right steps this offseason. And so we'll, conti- we'll continue to see him improve. And as far as the third question, Daniel, remind me what that one was. <laughs> they seem to be short a wing or a two guard that can attack the paint. Do you see it that way? Yeah, um, a little bit, but I think maybe that's where Patty Mills kind of comes in. And, you know, if maybe Kobe Bufkin kind of gets a, a few minutes here and there, he can play that. But, I mean, I, I think they just need more depth at guard in general because, again, bring up what Brad Rowland said, and he's absolutely right. They're one step removed from having to play their rookie significant minutes. It's, it, it can kind of be like what happened with AJ where – AJ Griffin last season where Justin Holiday kind of fell off a little bit and the Hawks were forced <laughs> to play AJ more. And that won't necessarily hurt development overall, but you don't necessarily want to be relying on your rookie guard too much if you don't have to. So I do think it could help if they signed a particularly another two guard who does have the ability to handle the ball um, just because, you know, Give guys like DJ and, and Bogey a little bit more rest or, or or Patty Mills if he's playing the two. All right. Uh, China Hawks or Hawks underscore China asked, will the Hawks keep Patty Mills? I think we kind of addressed that as far yes. as really don't know the situation yet. It's 50-50. 50-50. Marco DreamCon, do you think all these moves are set up for a third star potentially? Hmm. If Patty Mills is bringing you a star... <laughs> I don't know, but maybe it go. It goes back to that point about them, what they signed DeJounte to. Again, that could be a deal that you package with maybe another young player if need be. And it's a, it's a friendly contract that a team maybe won't be hesitant to take on if, if you're looking to bring a star aboard and maybe not this season, but maybe by the trade deadline or next offseason when, again, the cap will be a little bit different than it is this year. So I think... Some smart moves have been made. I think that it puts the Hawks in a lot more of a flexible situation, gives them more options to bring deals to teams because they do have some assets that they can package together to potentially bring something aboard. Um, Again, remember trading John Collins opened up a lot more cap flexibility for them in the future to sign other people to other deals. They do still have to (laughs) re-sign a guy like Onyeko Kongu, maybe Sadiq Bey. So... I, I do think these deals have put the Hawks in a better situation, whether it brings them a star still remains to be seen. I still think, you know, we have a lot more to see as far as the Hawks is negotiating power. I think we saw a little bit of it in the fact that they were able to bring aboard so much in that draft rights, Alpha Kaba for Tai Tai Washington, Usman Gruba and all that that netted. So we've seen the potential, but, I think time time is still not on the Hawks' side as far as showing us that they're capable of bringing aboard another star, a third star. Okay, we're going to kind of combine two for this to be the last question. I appreciate everyone tweeting Lauren, and we'll get to some more next week. But Bobble Dog, scale of 0 to 10, how likely do you think it is that DeAndre Hunter will be on the roster on opening night? And then at Desmond Riddler, any chance we upgrade to three this offseason and either move Dre or move drain to a second unit in or matchup defender role. So a couple of people have some questions of whether or not DeAndre Hunter will be on the roster come October. So zero to 10, zero being never, 10 being very likely, I assume is what the scale is. Mm-hmm. I'd maybe put it at a five just because the rumors didn't come out of nowhere. And the thing with trades is they don't, just happen in an instant. There's so many conversations that happen. So they're convert like you said, these GMs and front office staff are all here in Vegas and 
they're probably all talking about it right now. <laughs> they're probably like sitting watching a game and just shooting the shooting the crap and discussing potential trades, throwing stuff out there, seeing what sticks. And I'm sure DeAndre Hunter's name has come up. It just it doesn't. He's not untouchable. So I, I feel like a five or a six is pretty solid to say that it, it, there's a chance, but it's not unlikely. And as far as upgrading the three, I think right now with the team that they have, Hunter is probably the best option for right now, especially since they just extended him. And then with DeAndre, right now he's kind of their best option at the three just because this wasn't the greatest free agency class. So I don't think there's much out there right now for them to try to negotiate and upgrade there. So him moving to the bench is very unlikely. I think, again, we could see them package things together, but I think DeAndre is here next season. All right, good stuff. Thanks to everyone that tweeted Lauren. That is, again, at Williams Lauren L. We'll get to some more of your questions next week, but some great questions here as the Hawks try to put their roster together for the upcoming season, and I'll send it back to you. Yeah, we're excited. There's just been quite a lot of stuff that we've gotten a chance to talk about this episode, Daniel, that's been really, really exciting. And there's still a lot of time till the season begins and and who gets invited to training camp. I know somebody was curious about whether Brady Manick makes the 15-man the roster. And even though he's kind of broken out as the Hawks summer league darling this year, it's hard to see him making a 15-man roster. I could see him getting an invitation to training camp, but it's definitely tough for guys to go from summer league roster to 15-man regular season roster. But we'll be keeping an eye on it like always, and we hope you guys join us next time here on the Hawks Report. I'm Lauren Williams, your Hawks beat reporter, and again, this is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.